Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and your Supertalk radio stations. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, seventh day of the month of December. We are getting closer and closer to Christmas. Came early in the Bronx. Christmas did. Maybe not so much in the Bay. In the city by the Bay. We're joining you. Glad to be with you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit online, dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tee time or to plan your trip. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Can you imagine the amount of self-confidence that it would take? The amount of belief in yourself and your abilities in whatever industry that you operate in, whether you are a real estate agent, an insurance salesperson, a radio host, a baseball player, an attorney, a doctor, an architect, whatever your field of work is. Can you imagine being so confident in your abilities that your employer comes to you and says, we want to pay you $213,500,000 over the next seven years. That's an average of $30.5 million a year. And you, looking at them and saying, while I appreciate your offer, I think I'm worth more than that. And... Basically, the two of you agreeing to disagree. And your employer being a little disappointed that you didn't accept their offer, and so they leak the terms of the deal to the media, 
And you kind of get painted in a little bit of a negative light. Who does he think he is turning down $30.5 million a year? And then you go out and you have the best year of your professional career. You knocked it out of the park on every radio show you hosted. You saved more lives than have ever been saved by a single doctor in a calendar year, at least in 50 years. You sell more real estate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You bet on yourself. And then lots of other people that work in the same industry that your employer works in go, hey, we'll pay you. We'll pay you. And then your original employer, who you really kind of like, comes back to you and they're like, Okay, what's he going to take? And you say, mm, you offered $30,500,000 a year for seven years. I'm going to need forty a year for nine years. And they go, okay. That is the story of Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, nine years. million. Man, that big man looks good in pinstripes. (sighs) Never mind. Hey, look, look, look. I'm done with the Yankees stuff. Hey, Dad. But let's talk about this maybe from a different angle. There are lots of people that are talking about what Aaron Judge got and what it means and blah, blah, blah. Porky, what month of the year are we in? Uh, Carry the one December. December. And what sport dominates the month of December? Football. I'll say, I'll give you two guesses. First one doesn't count. Yes. Football is the answer. Major League Baseball, with all of its problems, just stole 24 hours out of the news cycle in the middle of football season. It doesn't happen. When's the last time that happened? It doesn't happen during World Series week. You're right. The World Series is not the lead story during the World Series. It's football. Pop quiz. Who played in the World Series this past year? The Cheaters. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, but you uh, had to think just for a second, didn't you? I had to think about their opponent. I knew Houston was. I'm in still it. thinking yeah. about the National League team. I don't. I Philly. don't remember. Philly. That's right. Red hot end of the year. Bryce Harper. All that good stuff. Good for them. Yeah. Bryce Harper, another uh, silver medal for the San Francisco Giants. There. I mean, could you imagine if you had Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge in the same lineup, hey Dad? Oh, we came in second for uh, for Stanton too. So I mean, that could have been a heck of a lineup. Ooh, they're a pretty good group. Yeah, yeah, but it's true. Though. Haven't you also won three World Series in the last decade? Uh well, it would be the last uh, twelve years now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, ten, twelve, fourteen. I don't really feel sorry for you. Sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't need the pity. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know. I was kind of hopeful that this was going to be like our first real shot back at the the Dodgers, but we'll see. I'll get excited for Carlos Correa in a couple of weeks, and then he'll sign with somebody else. 
Borky, I, I feel like this was the thing, though, that grabbed you more than anything, was Major League Baseball. One player, but Major League Baseball just stole a headline day from the NFL. Yeah, and you know the NFL cannot stand that <laughs> this is happening. But it's true. I mean, Aaron Judge, for all the jokes about the cut-ins to college football games, which was still a really bad move on ESPN's part, he finished seventh, okay? He, he was the seventh-place home run king, not worth cutting into top ten matchups in college football. But joking aside on that. Not worth cutting into unranked matchups in college football. True. But he is a spectacle. And baseball hasn't had enough of that. For whatever reason, there's not spectacles in baseball. There's spectacles in football. In college, it's more venue and brand-driven than it is player-driven, but the NFL is filled with spectacles. Players that feel like they are larger than life, and baseball just doesn't have it. Like Even the great player like Mike Trout just doesn't have it. Aaron Judge is that. He plays for the villain. And he is a massive human being that hits tank bombs. He's huge. When he gets into the box, it's staggering to see a guy that size. Okay, this is a bad comparison, but I think you get my point. He's like Shaq. You ever seen Shaquille O'Neal stand next to a normal basketball player? There's only one basketball player on the planet that has ever made Shaq look small, and it's Yao Ming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And Shaq... Physically, still bigger, like wider than than Yao. I mean, Shaq is a spectacle. Aaron Judge has that same image when he's standing next to regular baseball players. This is good for the sport, and I'm not a fan of it. Quote-unquote, a fan of it. I don't hate it. I just don't have a team. But I, I read about Aaron Judge today. I read about his recruitment, which is what it was, basically, today. I clicked on multiple Major League Baseball stories in December. They grabbed me. And that that's an important thing for, for the sport of baseball, to have somebody that is a spectacle that is grabbing the average, I, I'd say below average Major League Baseball fan like me. I was locked into it. I, I read, like I said, three, four things today. Spent 45 minutes of time reading about Aaron Judge today. doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about it, that, that means something. Hey, Dad didn't spend quite as long. He just kept reading John Heyman's original tweet over and over and over. and It's been deleted. Oh, did he delete it? By the way, I think he did, but regardless of that, his, uh, he, he owed, Aaron Judge owes John Heyman a little money on this. Arson? Because somebody in Aaron Judge's leaked, his camp leaked that to John Heyman, and John Heyman did the worst thing a reporter can do. He didn't confirm it. He didn't talk to anybody from the Giants. He just went with what he had, and now he looks like a fool. Oh, not to mention the fact that he originally said that Arson Judge was going to the Giants, not not Aaron Judge. But you gotta gotta confirm your stories, boys and girls. You know, just because you hear it from one person, it's always better to hear it from two. And, and you think that was the last piece of leverage that Aaron Judge needed to get it done with the Yankees? I, I think the Yankee. I think that happened, and the Yankees were like, we we're gonna have to. We're going to have to do what we got to do here. And they did. Congrats to them. They got him. Yeah. And they're 80 year year by the bay. 80 win year by the bay. Exciting. Remember a couple of years Aaron ago when they Judge, won 107? That was fun. In an interview with Time Magazine, said that he felt the Yankees' disclosure of the offer back in what? March, April? When they were trying to get it done before the season? 
was meant to turn the fans and the media against him as he moved closer to free agency. He never said that out loud during the year. He just internalized it. Started the season a little slow. Got a few boos, as happens from time to time at Yankee Stadium. Mississippi. Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Magnolia trees at night, sparkling bright. Fields of cotton love. Hey, Dad. Don't you get a kick out of watching Borky kind of squirm when the technological poo hits the fan? I looked up and you were still talking and the clock said we were in the break. I was like, oh, we're in the break. What the heck happened? Because normally Borky very good, about 30, 20. But sometimes we just have issues. Mine still says it's uh, 15 minutes after 3. So we're uh, we're working on it. it. For some reason, I get really hot. I don't know why that's the reaction I get, but like if things get screwed up in here, going for some reason I get hot. I, I, I guess I, I don't know. So uh, yes, we talked into the break. That is uh, my <laughs> and, and, and equipment Richard. failure. Uh, so that that is not on Richard or Hey Dad. Um, it's still fifteen after three in here. So no, normally it's my mm-hmm. fault when when we talk into the break. Yeah, we just we we can all recognize that normally that's that's an issue that I have. Will East Richard just gets going, hate. and he hears his voice, and he's just like, oh, my God, my voice is so incredible. I just don't want to stop hearing it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Will East told me one day, he's like, do you um, do you think you get paid by the word? <laughs> he's like, I mean, you don't have to talk, like, all the way to the start of the break. I'm like, well, it's, there's a lot to get in. Yeah. Lots, of, lots of stuff. That's how I feel uh, about my pants. Jeez, man. Jeez. Do you guys happen to, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was a pretty good one, personally. Ah. Speaking of, Judge, did you guys read the insider story about the juiced baseballs that the Yankees got to play with when he was chasing the record? Uh, all mean, those guys are complaining about the Astros. Bunch of cheaters themselves. In fairness, unless I missed something, it was a very long story. The Yankees were not cheating. They didn't switch out baseballs for Aaron Judge. If I read it correctly, again, it was very long, the league decided to get some juiced baseballs up to New York to see if Aaron could put a few more over the fence. Uh, well, I have multiple thoughts on this. Number one, number one, every time something good happens for the Yankees, we can't wait to start slinging mud. Just here it comes. Here it comes. Write the long stories. Write the, the in-depth piece. Let's talk about how they were doing something the wrong way. Second, talked a lot about Major League Baseball needing to do a better job marketing itself and needing to make its game more exciting. Somebody chasing a home run record in September is exciting. 
And if that means you need to juice some baseballs where you're, you're, you know, it's not an uneven field. It's not unlevel if both teams are hitting the same baseballs. There might have been some marketing genius in that. Are people mad at Major League Baseball for this, Borky? They are. Hmm. They uh, they absolutely are. Um, Is it because a, of purity and sanctity and sports writers and Hall of Fame votes and stats and Cooperstown and all the other stupid... You know what it is. It's the Yankees. That's what it is. It's, it's the Yankees. Anything that has their name on it bothers people, which is also good for sports. Having a villain is, is great, but... That stroked a lot of this. And I've seen people wonder, you know, why doesn't everybody just use them? Why why don't you just give this uh, slightly more hitter-friendly baseball? It's not by much, honestly. It's not like the ball is is a, a rubber band ball with some leather wrapped around it. You know, it's not spring-loaded. Yeah. It's just slightly... They use it for home run derbies and all-star games and stuff like that. Uh, poorly kept secret, apparently. It's like a baseball on PEDs. Just a, a little bit, yeah. Just just a little bit of extra something uh, based on... And it, it was a data-driven extra thing. Extra juice? And, Is that the word you were looking for? Yeah, and in statistics, it, it, not everything's 100%. Not everything's black and white. There is ambiguity there. Uh, but, yeah, it appears that the Yankees got the home run derby balls for a while. Maybe that could be like the uh, the new ad campaign to try and keep Major League Baseball players off of uh, performance-enhancing products. We'll juice the ball so you don't have to juice yourself. Hey, signs <laughs> in all the locker rooms. You don't like that, hey, Dan? Nah, that was funny. Yeah. Okay. Are the Yankees the biggest villain in baseball? That is from Adam in Monticello. Take it another layer. Where are they in For sports? Seven years, decades. Yeah. In sports, they are in the top three. Who are the biggest villains in sports? Team, individual the player, Cowboys, the biggest villains in sports? The, the Cowboys, the Lakers, and the Yankees. So the three biggest brands is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean that's 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 what people hate. They hate they hate the, the biggest brands. Yeah. Is it man is it man you in EPL? In my experience over dealing with that, the team that people hate the most over there is Liverpool. Like everybody hates Liverpool. Really? Yeah. Is it the Lakers or is it LeBron? Because everybody loved no, Kobe it, it and Shaq. Was, everybody loved Kobe nah, and Shaq. No, no. Nah. I can assure you from experience that not everybody loved Kobe but they, and Shaq. But they were incredibly popular. Like, Yeah, they were. But, well, that, that's the thing, though. The Lakers are also the most popular team. Or at least they were. I don't know that they are now. The Warriors have probably overtaken them. But they were. They at that same time had the most fans and the most haters, which is probably exactly where you want to be. Yeah. The Cowboys are certainly that way, too. You know, I, I think to a degree, Yankees, Cowboys, whatever, they're kind of going to always be maybe the biggest. The, they are the um, they're the historical villain. 
But you get nouveau riche villains also. Right, the, the Johnny-come-lately villain? Yeah. A- Alabama, I guess for a lot of people, is kind of the villain in college football, but there are a bunch of people that got real sick of Clemson real fast. Yeah. To, to the point that Clemson kind of became a villain. You think about the NBA, it, it's rotated, right? I mean, in the Lakers-Celtics rivalry years, and there's some people that might point to the Celtics as being the villains because of the way they played. And then in that... In, in that time period in the, the late 80s, early 90s, the Detroit Pistons were the villain. Yeah. They were the bad boys. Yeah. They were nasty. There was a time there with Patrick Ewing and uh, and some of that crew were the Knicks, John Starks. The Knicks were a little bit of a villain for a while. To be a villain, you got to be good. you got to be really yeah. good. I don't think – were the Bulls ever a villain? I no, think everybody just respected everybody Jordan, Jordan so much. Everybody yeah. loved Jordan. Yeah. I agree. I think the 49ers had a little bit of that, too. I think everybody loved Montana back in the day. Yeah, Montana and Ronnie Lott and Roger Craig and Jerry yeah. Rice. I mean, there were, that was a likable, great era for that franchise. Has there been that yeah. in college football? A likable, dominating force? Because everybody hates Ohio think- State. I'm sick to death of Alabama. Georgia might be kind of that right now. But if if we're a decade in and Georgia's got five national titles, we're gonna we're gonna talk a different tune. All right, but but you just because they're new right now. So so you raised a great point about Michael Jordan just a second ago. There are some who have the ability, even when great. To rise above villain status. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was never a villain. Right. Tiger Woods. There were there I, were some bumps know. in the There's, road. But nobody ever actively rooted against him. Right. When when he was winning, everybody was Team Tiger. So the question I would ask is. How, how do you how do you supersede villain status? Is it is it just pure greatness? Is that what it takes? I think it's a combination of the greatness and the willingness to do anything to win. You know, a fan a fan always says, "I would give anything to win." If they see a player who has an attitude like that, that's how you 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 become something more than just a player. An off the field court, whatever personality, right? Jordan. I mean, what was Jordan's scandal? That he smoked cigars, played golf, probably drank too much, and gambled. That's like <laughs> well, every sports fan ask. out there, right? It so, depends on yes. There are some who true. tell you he had a two year suspension for gambling. So yeah, but but Jordan's different than like LeBron. LeBron's off the court stuff, frankly, is annoying. Jordan's off the court stuff is kind of awesome. It's a great golfer. Golfed on game day. That kind of stuff. Mississippi, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll pick the conversation up when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks as always for being with us. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Brian Howell joins us right now. He writes at buffzone.com and uh, the Boulder Daily. And, and Brian, before we get into the stuff that's really topical, I got to tell you, I'm really jealous of you because, like, 65 miles to your west, the amount of snow that they've gotten early this year is incredible. <laughs> yeah, the skiers love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in it, Boulder, it makes, and it makes the mountains beautiful. You know, so the, the scenery, the view from out here on the foothills is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a gorgeous time of the year and certainly a beautiful part of the country. This Deion Sanders thing, it's uh, it, it's pretty incredible. We watched it up close here for the last three years, and, and it was pretty remarkable to see what he was able to do at Jackson State, an HBCU that had, had kind of fallen off a little bit. He builds it back quickly. I, I'm just kind of curious what the, the reaction has been across the board um, in and around the, the University of Colorado community to this hiring. Yeah, you know, with everything, you're, you're going to have some people that, you're skeptical, but um, I mean, a widespread view. I've never seen this fan base. Now, keep in mind, there's been several new coaches that have been hired since I've been covering this team. They've gone yeah. through a lot of coaches. I've never seen a coach more universally accepted, uh, a coaching hire more universally accepted than this one. And uh, this fan base is so excited. Uh, you know, they can't believe that uh, C was able to land Deion Sanders and, uh, and bring him here. So, yeah, I mean, this fan base is, you know, just. I mean, they've kind of uh, lost their minds with how excited they are. I am curious, was, was Rick George being hyperbolic when he said, we don't know how we're going to pay him, but we're confident we'll be able to when he was talking about the contract, or was that literal? Uh, you know, he, it was funny. He was on a Denver radio station the next day and was asked that, and um, and he said, he said no, I'm, he, was being, he was being literal. Like, they don't have it right now, but they'll get it. So uh, they're banking on... Um, you know what Dion does. They're banking on him selling off the stadium or, or getting close to it. That they're going to make a lot more money through ticket sales and through uh, merchandise sales and through. They're hoping that the Pac-12 comes through with a really nice media rights deal that they're negotiating right now. So they're kind of banking on all of those things. Which right now the impact as far as season ticket sales has been pretty big. So uh, they might be right with that. Hmm. It's uh, it's going to be certainly a, a fascinating part of the story to follow. So, Brian, when I think about Folsom Field, I, I think about one of the most gorgeous settings in, in all of college football. There, there are a few maybe that rival it, but but it's absolutely spectacular. And it's got this kind of old feel to it. I, I've never been there in person. But I remember, like, before Pac-12 After Dark was cool, before it was fun, you, you would watch a Colorado game in the Central Time Zone late at night, and there'd be great crowds. And it felt like that was a passionate fan base, even if it wasn't the biggest stadium. It hasn't looked like that in recent years. Is the Colorado fan base hungry to to get back to that place? Will the fan base respond and fill that place up and and be committed? Yeah, they will. You know, and you know, to be honest with you, it hasn't. It has. It's not the same, but they've still shown up at times. I mean, uh, after Calderell was fired five weeks into the season this year, uh, the next game, uh, you know, they won. They beat Cal. Mike Sanford was the interim head coach and. It was family weekend, and so that impacted a little bit. But that place was almost sold out, uh, you know, when they were 0-5 and getting blown out every week. So uh, 
and when they came back from the pandemic last year, the, the attendance was super high last year. Um, this fan base is just hungry for really good football, and you're right. It's one of the best settings. You add in a guy like Deion Sanders with some of the talent that it appears he could be bringing in here, then, yeah, I think this place uh, could really be rocking next year. So, you know, we know one of the, the big topics in all of college football as it pertains to repro- uh, recruiting is, is NIL, name, image, likeness, pay for play, however you want to describe it. What is the what's the apparatus like that is in place at Colorado? Is there a, a collective that is in place and is ready to to engage at the level that will be needed to maybe pull off a big coup in recruiting? Yeah, they hope so. You know, they, they actually just started a, a collective about a month ago, uh, so the timing of it lines up with uh, you know with the new coach coming in. Um, I'm sure that's not uh, coincidental that uh, it just started up a month ago. Um, so they've made some changes with uh, the way they allow transfers to come into school here. And so these things are happening since they fired Carl Durrell. So uh, they're doing some things to make things easier for the next head coach. Uh, this new collective, I don't know what they're bringing in as far as money right now, but um, it started a little bit ago. There's another fan that uh, – or a couple other fans that have started their own collectives trying to get money for CU. So – there's a few different groups that are trying to raise some money uh, for NIL for the student athletes, and so um, you know they got to have the donors step up. But I think that a guy like Dion can help that. Yeah, it's going to be really, really fascinating to see. What did you make of the the videos that came out of the initial address that that he had with his team? Uh, maybe with what he said to his Jackson State team as he was walking away, and, and maybe some of his initial comments with the media. Yeah, you know, well, first off, uh, you know, I'll go, I guess I'll go chronologically. You know, I thought his, uh, you know, what he said to Jackson State, you know, was great. I thought it was uh, a good inside look at what, uh, you know, he means to that team. And there was actually a second video that was put out um, where, you know, some Q and A with the players, and um, it it looked at least on those videos that uh, he's got a good rapport with those players and the and the support staff there. Um, as far as the press conference, you know, he won it. You know, absolutely. I mean. People were laughing at all of his jokes. It felt like you know I was there at a comedy routine, not a press conference, uh, because people were laughing, and cheering, all this stuff. It was it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And then, as far as the player meeting with CU, you know, I, I didn't really like the tone of it for a, for an initial player meeting. Um, for me, I thought that he should have been more, um, you know, rah rah a little bit, and, and you know, gotten those guys excited about him being there. But it was kind of very matter of fact, like, hey, I'm coming. And uh, you better work or else you're out of here. And so, uh, but that, that's the way Dion is. I have seen a second video um, that, that, that his team has posted with the specialists, and he was a lot more, um, you know, reserved in that regard, and you know, and kind of building up, building them up a little bit, and saying, "Hey, we're ready to go. Let's, let's go." So, um, I'm not sure totally what to make of all the stuff with the players, but I think his messaging so far has been pretty good overall. And, and, Brian, I couldn't help but wonder, and, and now I understand that Colorado was 1-11. I, I get that. But, but I couldn't help but wonder what it does to a locker room when, before you've even had a practice, he, he says, hey, my son's going to be the quarterback. Basically. I'm paraphrasing. But but that was the message. Yeah. I mean, it was – and you're really not even paraphrasing. I mean, it was in the press conference when, you know, he has Shadour stand up and he says, that's your quarterback, you know, and – I've heard some people say, I wonder if he just committed an NCAA violation there because uh, Shadour's not even in the transfer portal yet. So that's a Jackson State player that uh, he just said, hey, that's, that's your quarterback. So, um, 
you know, it's interesting <laughs> that, that he would do that. But, you know, he did tell the players, he said, I've got a quarterback coming. They all know who that is. And he said, I've got 10 other guys coming with me. And so um, it, it's got to be a wake-up call for that locker room. And they know they weren't very good last year, but I'm sure there's some pride um, as players and as athletes that uh, they want to win those spots and they feel like they can compete for them. Visiting with Brian Howell. He writes at BuffZone.com, and uh, the Boulder Daily does a, a great job covering uh, Colorado and uh, Colorado football in particular, which we don't talk about or haven't talked about all that often as we sit here in Mississippi, but obviously a connection uh, here today. Last thing, Brian, I mean, so so from 1-11 to what? How quickly can this turn around? What does a turnaround look like? What What's reasonable in terms of year one expectations? And maybe... Forgive me, those are all unanswerable questions before there's been a practice and we don't know what the recruiting class is going to look like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think, you know, initially my thought is, yeah, I think they could potentially be a bowl team next year, but I want to see what happens as they get through this recruiting cycle and, you know, when the, when the transfer portal window closes in 40 days or whatever it is at this point, you know, what talent does he actually bring in? You know, there's this hype and this belief he's going to bring in a ton of talent, but Will he? So let's see what he actually brings in. Um, you know, the transfer portal is huge. He's got to bring in a lot of talent through the transfer portal this year. If he does that, um, I think that, you know, with his energy and uh, with some of the talent, then maybe they are a bowl team next year. But um, I'd like to wait and see what they actually bring in first. Um, Shadour's a good start, you know, and if he's going to bring Travis Hunter and uh, some of those guys from Jackson State, that's a pretty good start. But, uh, you know, he's got to bring in more than that. Hey, who's the most beloved former Colorado player? Wow, that's a good question. Um, it might be Darian Hagan. Okay. He he's been the running backs coach here for the last several years. Um, you know, he was the quarterback of the 1990 national championship team, but um, it might be him. I, I was just curious if it would uh, be somebody like Cordell Stewart or, or somebody along those lines that, that you know, maybe a little more mainstream to people outside Colorado, and if there was an effort to bring guys like that in or maybe how they had reacted. But maybe a conversation yeah. for another day. You know, yeah, Cordell is uh, certainly a guy that they love around here. I, I think Darian, uh, part of it is, I mean, Darian worked at CU now for uh, a couple decades. So um, Darian has survived. Uh, several coaching changes. He was hired initially by Gary Barnett in 2005, and so he's been here um, mostly coaching running backs through several different coaches. And um, you know, he was the only assistant yesterday morning that was not fired. So um, I don't know what Dion's plan is for him, but uh, there's always going to be a spot for Darian Hagen here because you know he is beloved, and he was he was that quarterback that led him to a championship. Brian, thanks so much for your time. We'll catch up down the line. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. The moon is right. I think I missed the clip from the press conference where he said, Shadur, stand up, everybody meet your new quarterback. I I missed that. In fairness to him, he corrected himself and said he's going to have to earn it. But still. Yeah, come on. Toothpaste out of the tube at that point. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Um, And 
there there was like a second video that came out of him. I guess he met with the position groups individually mm-hmm. after the meeting, and his tone was very different with them than the whole team meeting about, you know, I'm bringing my luggage, and if you don't, you know, if, if you don't want to work hard to our standard, then hit the portal because I'm bringing luggage with me. Yeah. It was and more of a like, hey, I'm I'm going to bring in some guys, but just you know, work hard, take care of yourself, and it'll be all right. Like his tone was different when he met with the the smaller groups of players. For whatever that's worth to you, maybe nothing, but it was a very different tone with him talking to the position groups as opposed to the entire team. For whatever that's worth. Yeah, C-SPAR text line, I'm usually a Coach Prime fan, but his first meeting with the Colorado team was not a good look. If any other coach would have said those things, they would have been in big trouble. Maybe. Maybe he's got a little more leeway. Thing is, though, they kind of already do that. They do. Here's the difference, though. Like, a lot of coaches dance around it. Dion just tells you. He just tells you. And that's kind of what he's always done. It's how he how he approached the game as a player. Hey, Dad, I asked Borky during the break a second ago. I was like, was Dion a villain as a player? As a player, yes. Especially back, you know, in that time, players who talked trash the way he did, that it wasn't as prevalent. It was something that you had to wrap your head around. Yeah. Primarily when he was with the Cowboys, is that would that be the like the prime villain time? See what I did there. Well, as a Saints fan, you know, I didn't like him as a Falcon, but yeah, uh, yeah, the Cowboys for sure. Yeah, I've read a lot of stuff and, and and heard a lot of stuff over the last couple of days about him, and I mean, it was debated on CNN. I did I don't watch CNN. It was a clip that I saw about whether or not he's a sellout. Uh, what was the topic of conversation? I, I read a column this morning talking about how it, him leaving makes him just another coach and it, it erases all the good that he did in Jackson. I heard somebody on Fox Sports Radio, uh, or that works for Fox Sports Radio, in a thing that was shared saying that if you're upset, if you live in Mississippi and you're upset that Coach Prime left, well, you should be more upset about Brett Favre. It's like, the, how how are those things even comparable? When, when a columnist talks about crime rate and the football coach could have stayed to help things like that, haven't we lost the plot? When, when we're putting those kind of things on a football coach, on one person who coaches football, as opposed to local leadership and stuff like that, it, it just it feels so. The criticism of him leaving feels so misguided. He, he's one, he's an individual human being, one person who coaches football. Oh, he could have, if he would have stayed, he could have changed the lives of so many people. Don't, don't you think he can have the same impact at anywhere he goes? It's just weird when you talk about local crime and the football coach in the same column. It just feels like we're putting way too much on somebody that gets college kids to line up correctly and score more points than the other on a field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just very bizarre reaction. Aaron and Madison says he's got to have the attention on him, hence the name, Primetime. He said that first meeting was a show for the cameras. 
And there may be something to that. He does have one of one of his kids. I guess I think it's one of his kids that runs that. I guess it's a media company that they have that you get all the videos from him. He's the one that follows his dad around and the programs around recording everything and putting it online. I think that's one of his children. Uh, but that, that's how you're getting all of that, is is they're putting that out there. The first team meeting was filmed by somebody in his quote-unquote camp. Mm-hmm. And that's all done on purpose. Yeah, well, no question about that. It's a good marketing tool, though. Have you seen a video of Mike Leach in a team meeting or Lane Kiffin in a team meeting? Wouldn't you love to see a video of Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin in a team meeting? Yeah. Seen it, seen it one time, and it was his first one. Like as soon as the, coming off the plane, they took him to meet the team. That's the last time I've seen a team meeting with Mike Leach. Hmm. I mean, some locker some... room stuff every now and then, but you know, yeah. I, I was going to say you get some locker room clips, you know, through the season and the Ole Miss sports production staff, and probably the same thing with Mississippi State as well. But in terms of an in-depth look at how. Coaches communicate with their team? No. Not at all. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. One hour in the books. We got more coming up with you right after this. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful start. The four o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. David Cobb joins us this afternoon. David writes at CBS Sports, CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter as well at David W. Cobb. And he is in that busy time where he's transitioning from football season. To basketball season, the convergence of the two makes for us long days, but uh, a fun time of the year as well. What's up, David? Hey, man, uh, not much. I appreciate that Christmas music on the intro. Good job by uh, Borky there. Really got me in the season. Glad we could do that for you. But glad we can, can we tell people where you are? Yeah, man, have at it. So, because of David's wife's job, I'll be vague there. They have to move on a fairly regular basis. It's part of kind of a training program. Uh, and David most recently was in the Midwest, and he is now for the next little bit calling Hattiesburg, Mississippi home. Welcome to the Magnolia State. That's right. Thank you. As a, as a Memphis resident the, uh, growing up, the extent of my knowledge of Hattiesburg was that it was a nice place to stop on the way to Gulf Shores. Yeah. Uh, but here we are, yeah, going to be hanging out in, in Hattiesburg for about a, a, a few months. So, you know, might get over to Reed Green Coliseum and uh, see what Jay Ladner and the uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagles are up to. It sounds like they're off to a nice start on the hardwood this year. So, uh, no, um, uh, any food recommendations that you guys have in the area, I'm, I'm all ears because uh, we're going to be here through the holidays and need to eat. There are uh, there are a lot of great food spots in Hattiesburg. Robert St. John, who is a friend of ours, has got – 
How many? Hey, Dad, how many restaurants has he got? Three or four in Hattiesburg? Oh, he's right? got. Well, you count the bars. He's got like six. Okay, <laughs> the bars are important too. Uh, Ed's Burger Joint is my favorite, but uh, Purple Parrot That's and the, the Mahogany one. Bar and all that stuff right there together is just so wonderful. Excellent. Yeah, you made it sound like uh, my wife's in the CIA or something. Um, you know, she, she's she's not in the CIA. Uh, she's actually helping to open a Chick Fil A that they're going to be putting out in Petal, which, as I understand, is is the closest thing to a suburb probably that, that Hattiesburg has. And so, uh, anyway, eventually I'll be eating Chick Fil A over there. But until it opens, uh, I might have to go check out Ed's Burger Joint, which I did see earlier today. It's literally right across the street from the hotel. So glad to know that that, that one comes uh, highly recommended. That's hey, exactly Andrew. what somebody that's not or that's in the CIA would say, by the way, is that they're not in the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Chick-fil-A, CIA. I see what's going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. No comment. Uh, Captain Crunch Milkshake. <laughs> Captain Crunch Milkshake for dessert. Richard, that's really, correct. That's thing, correct right? answer. Yeah, it's a thing, and you're welcome. <laughs> okay, I'm have to check that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little curious about how that works, but uh, it sounds like something you got to try. Yep, yep. Uh, let's talk some ball. Uh, I actually want to start with basketball, if if we can do that. So, Chris Jans in Mississippi State. How about this? Top twenty-five, undefeated, playing lockdown defense, scoring a bit of an issue, but it hasn't bitten them yet. What what have you seen so far? I mean, really impressive resume to this point. That Utah win in particular sticks out as one that you look at the schedule before the season, don't necessarily think that's a big money opportunity. Now, as it turns out, Utah is pretty good, so you're getting a lot of credit for that win. Uh, Honestly, depending on where you look, I can't remember if it was the net or Ken Palm, one or the other I was looking at yesterday, and Mississippi State is like top five in the country uh, in some of the other metrics. So uh, the the AP voters are lagging behind a little bit on picking up the the, the scent on these Bulldogs, but yeah, they're they're legit right out of the gate. Chris Jans is, is the type of coach who you would expect to get things going early in a tenure because of the way he's kind of had to grind throughout his career. Everywhere he's been, it's remaking a roster in in rapid order, right? He's not one of these guys who's going out and landing McDonald's All-Americans. He's the type of guy who's going out and landing transfers, landing JUCO guys, and mashing it all together into a, a roster. So the fact that he's been able to do that, I guess, actually doesn't stun me. But I guess I'm, I'm a little surprised that they've been this good out of the gate. What, how it goes once they get into the SEC, you know, we'll see. But they put some good hay in the barn here early in terms of an actual NCAA tournament resume to the extent that, hey, you know, maybe nine and nine in the SEC you know, gets, gets Mississippi State into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's funny you say that, David. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday, and it's like, okay, if if you start the year in like the 160s or 180s in the net, it gets really hard to climb all the way into to bubble range. But on the flip side, if a month into the season you're in the top 10 of the net, it, it's far to hard to fall the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's enough easy wins in the SEC to where they're going to be able to uh, sort of just survive off of beating up on Georgia and South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Now, granted, you don't want to lose those games. They'll probably be quad three games. They could be harmful losses if you were to lose one of those. But, like, 
you know, then you just got to pick off uh, a win here or there against an Auburn, against an Alabama, against an Arkansas to bolster that resume. Get get yourself up to you know four or five quad one wins, uh, and this is probably an NCAA tournament team. So really impressive job. I mean, it seemed like they were always in that 20, 20 win or more mark uh, with Ben Howland. It's just that there wasn't always a lot of heft on that resume. And the fact that they've already got a little bit of that here in December is is tremendous. Moving down the road just a touch, what do you see from Ole Miss basketball? You know, they they, they start off 5-0 and or 6-0 and or whatever the number was and, and have lost two in a row. They lose to uh, Oklahoma in the, the championship game of the, the Disney Resorts event, and then they lose on the road to Memphis last week. Really a bad start offensively in that game against Memphis, and then maybe played a little bit better uh, down the stretch. This is an important season for Kermit Davis. I, I don't think there's anybody uh, that, that's even debating how important this season is for Ole Miss basketball and Kermit Davis in the future. What do you see from the Rebels so far? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good start. The Memphis game is is a little concerning, but that, that you're on the road against a really good defensive team. Deshaun Ruffin just trying to get into the mix. He he to me is is the key for Ole Miss. If Ruffin can be a game changing type of point guard for them, then I I can see Ole Miss hanging in the middle of the pack in the SEC and competing for an NCAA tournament bid. I mean, he's one of the more highly touted guys they've had under Kermit Davis and ton of potential you know we saw it last year in, in spurts and in flashes and you know as he gets into the mix um how's that chemistry with, with him and and morell and, and the rest of those guys i mean to, to me ruffin is is the key to that and and it was a rough start no pun intended at mm-hmm. memphis uh, the other day but I, I i don't don't see reason why ole miss can't be a rung above some of these other teams in the sec i already mentioned georgia south carolina uh vanderbilt uh, can they be better than Florida, right? Another team uh, that has a first-year coach. And I think because sometimes people see the name Florida and they flash back to Billy Donovan, they're just like, oh, well, Florida's going to be uh, fine. They'll be good. I don't think so. Ole Miss needs to be better uh, than Florida this year, right, in order to sort of establish themselves a little bit higher in the SEC pecking order. Missouri, another team that Ole Miss should be better than. If you just go by the co- the teams with first-year coaches in the SEC, Ole Miss should, should be no worse than uh, seventh or eighth. And if, if you can't be at this point, you know, in the in the tenure of Kermit Davis, then then yeah, it's it's probably time to reevaluate. But with the talent they have, with Ruffin, with Morell, I, I think they should be able to put it together because Kermit Davis showed he can coach basketball at, at MTSU, and he's got enough talent on this on this team for them to make a run at the dance. Yeah, the freshman uh, freshman Amari Abram has been uh, has been fun to watch so far as well. I do want to throw one football question out at you. Um, let, let's take the playoffs out of it for a second. N- Non-access bowl. What's the bowl game that intrigues you the most? If you take the Boy. big ones out. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, was it Ole Miss and Texas Tech? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, playing in the Texas Bowl that, that could... in, uh, in Houston. That could be fun. Um, let's see. The the one that probably sticks out to me the most is the fact that Cincinnati and Louisville are going to be playing each other in uh, the Fenway Bowl or whatever it's called, Pinstripe Bowl, or I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, you got you got the the school that that Scott Satterfield is leaving in Louisville. 
uh, taking on the school that he is going to coach in Cincinnati. And that, I don't know if that's ever happened before. It's really weird, really bizarre. And to make matters worse, verify me on this if you're really interested in it. But from the diagrams I saw on social media the other day, in that game, because they're playing in a baseball stadium, the teams are going to share a sideline. That is correct. So basically, yes, you have a coach who is affiliated with both programs, and they're going to be sharing the sideline. So it's like, what are we even doing here? Like, where is he going to be watching this game from? Uh, Scott Satterfield, uh, for for as like just understated and quiet of a guy as he seems to be, he manages to find himself in some weird situations and then some real controversy. And in terms of a under-the-radar bowl game that nobody should really care about, Cincinnati versus Louisville in a baseball stadium, to me, sticks out as pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hard hard to argue with that logic. David, good to catch up as always. We'll talk to you again soon. No problem. Thanks, guys. David Cobb joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line from CBS Sports. We'll be right back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Stuck my head in earlier day, uh, today and said hello to the guys at Genteel. Uh, Genteel is available in men's clothing stores all across the state of Mississippi. And it's not too late to uh, make sure that there is Genteel in a package underneath the Christmas tree at your house. Go to their website, genteelapparel.com. Pick the polos, the pullovers, the pants, the shorts, the outerwear, the vests, the jackets, whatever it is that you're looking for, get those ordered, and they will get them shipped out to you in time for Christmas. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. I don't think I was necessarily looking for confirmation bias from David Cobb, but I thought what he said about Mississippi State basketball was really, really interesting. Right, He said, you know, AP voters kind of lagging behind net rankings when you see Mississippi State at number five. And because of where they are in the net and how that factors into NCAA tournament seeding, a 500 mark in league play might be good enough. Yeah, he, what did he say? He had hay in the barn. I would say they have like some, some cushion. They have some breathing room that if they if they do lose a few games in a row, which they might do because they're not a good offensive team right now, but if they lose three games in a row, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, if your net is fifth at this point, by the end of the month, you know these next uh, four games, three of them are not good for the net. Uh, the, the Minnesota game, Jackson State, Nichols, those are not great net teams. Uh, Drake is, an, is a pretty good net team. I think they're in the 50s. But your net shouldn't be much lower than... 25-30 at worst if it drops. I mean, that that's a place where if you finish 500 in league play or even maybe a game below, you're going to be fine. I mean, you're not. we're not talking about in the on the bubble. We're talking about 5-6 seed. 
That's what Lenardi had them as in uh, Bracketology that he released on, on Tuesday, that he had them as a sixth seed, which is mm-hmm. mind-boggling to me. But that's where you are right now, that you're, you've given yourself some rope if you need it. And then the opportunities come fast and furious, right? Alabama, yeah. right out of the gate. They've already and got Tennessee. a win over North Carolina. Now, North Carolina has dropped out of the top 25, but but regardless. Yeah, they're still in North Carolina. They're still going to be good at the end of the year. Tennessee in game two of league play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's on the road. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss at home, rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Then, so what? Out of those first three, what what the state needs its record to be after three games in SEC play? Alabama, Tennessee on the road, Ole Miss. I mean, if you're one and two, you're still in really good shape. Okay, need to beat Ole Miss. That's the game, and especially because you know, we've had this discussion so many times, right? But how Howland would continually lose that first game to Ole Miss and just sort of let the air out of the balloon. State needs that one. It's at home. You, you, you got to win that game. If you can beat Alabama, that's that's just that's just going to be extra uh, whipped cream on the pie. You'll take that. But you know, Tennessee on the road, that's a tough one. I mean, they're, they're a good team. But if they're one and two after the first three, that would put them. You know, assuming they win their non-conference games, that would put them at thirteen and two. 15 games in, mm-hmm. who's not taking that? Next three are Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee. you got to beat Georgia. Have to beat Georgia. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do this whole thing, we can do it, and, and uh, we, maybe it'll be like football where I absolutely nailed it. Maybe. 100% got it right. All right, so so you were you were one and two after three, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so for the next, the next three. next four. Well, I, let's Next just three. We'll, we'll do it three at a time. Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee. Right. <sighs> so you get Tennessee I mean, at home. But even I mean, if you're two and four, okay, it's not the end of the world. So let's let's just be we'll, we'll play conservative here, and we'll say two and four. All right. Next three SEC games, and I say that because on January 28th, Mississippi State steps outside the SEC for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, right. They'll play TCU. So the next three SEC games, Florida in Starkville, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, South Carolina in Columbia. I'd like to be 2-1 and one in that. I'd like to beat Florida and South Carolina. All right, so now you're 4-5 and five after nine games. Yeah. Missouri at home, LSU at home, at Arkansas. You got to go 2-1, right? Gotta go two and one, yeah. So you would be six and uh, six and six, six and six at this point, yeah. All right, so you're, you're taking you're six this, and six with six games to play in the conference. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. At this point, you are comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Arkansas in Fayetteville, Kentucky mm-hmm. in Starkville, Ole Miss in Oxford. What a stretch! You'd like, I mean, one and two is probably. Getting the win at Ole Miss would be really good. All right, so now you're going to go zero and three in that stretch. Yeah, now you're seven yeah. and eight in the league. But listen to the closing three: Missouri on the road, A and M in Starkville, South Carolina in Starkville. You have a real chance to be three and zero in that, but I'll say two and one. 
and that would be nine and nine, right? That would be nine and nine. You gotta go three and zero oh those last. You're time. in. You're absolutely hundred percent in if they get that schedule. I would think. I think they're in at eight and ten. To be honest, with the way they're set up right now, assuming they don't tank one of these non-conference games. I messed up one somehow. There's also Vandy at the end. I don't know where oh, I messed okay. up. Well, somewhere then, along the way, I missed. So yeah, you need to well, finish four now. Four and would be a lot. That'd be a lot to do. Missouri, South Carolina, Vandy in the final four. I'm Mississippi State is not so good that they can just show up and they're going to win. Right? They, they can they can slip up. They are capable of slipping up. You do have three of those at home too. Three straight home games to finish the year. Could be some. Might be the return of big crowds. No, it happening. might finally happen. That's it. Oh, is it? What am I looking? Oh, it does say national. Never mind. Never, yeah. never mind. Three of the last five are on and the then road. You just, then you just stay in Nashville for the SEC tournament. I guess you could do that. Of course, if you yeah. don't play until Wednesday or Thursday, maybe you don't have to. You can go to Biscuit Love. Stand in line there. It'll be it's, it'll be that about that long a wait. Yeah, doesn't Luke Bryan have a bar there? You'll be fine. <laughs> I've been to that one. I've been to Jason Aldean's. Pancake Pantry? I, there's, yes. there's people, people love to bang on pancake pantries being overrated. You're just wrong. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. A little hot chicken. All's good. Are you allowing yourself to get excited? Yeah, I am. I, 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 like I said, they, they, they've given themselves some cushion. That if something does go a little wrong midway, as long as they can correct it, Somebody asked me in in the the rumblings on on the Thunder and Lightning podcast that, that you know have they exceeded your expectations regardless of how the season finishes? No. If they lose twelve straight at some point, no. Obviously, that would not be the case. But for where they are right now, they're so far ahead of my expectations, it's hard to to, to con- comprehend. Never would have dreamed they'd be ranked on December the seventh. Never would have thought that. So going into the year, what would you? I mean. You weren't going to pick them to lose to Corpus Christi or Akron or Pine Bluff or South Dakota. I, mean, I didn't think they'd get a win to Marquette in that. and Utah. Probably. Okay. I mean, if Howland were still the coach, I think they'd have three losses. They'd have lost both of those tournament games, and they'd have lost another one in, in along the way here. No, they'd have been six. I, I mean, I'm just talking. I don't know, man. Next one for Mississippi I I State said, is uh, Sunday, December 11th in Minneapolis. Minnesota. I mean, I know they played inside, but have you checked the weather? <laughs> I have not checked the weather. Weird court and arena design there also. The court is like three feet off the ground. The players yeah. have to step, like like take steps to get onto the court. And the the coaches like get special access and stuff. It's a weird deal. Well, it's a it's a cold day today in Minnesota, high of nineteen. Uh, but on Sunday, it's it 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 really is balmy. It ramps up to a high of thirty six to the low of twenty seven. Hmm. Why is it so cold today? What's going on up there? Williams Arena. They call it the barn, Borky. Nineteen twenty eight is when that place opened, and you're right. It is wow. It is a cool, cool venue. They've done some major renovations to it. I, I, maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea, but to me, that's an awesome-looking building. 
should be better than that because they, they could have a really good home court advantage in that place. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. More coming up when we continue after this. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. We wish you a better Christmas. We wish you a better Christmas. We wish you a better Christmas. And a happy new year. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Michael Borky, headbanging his Christmas tunes this afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Who is that? I'll have to find out for you. All right. It's definitely not the Kinks. I won't play that song again. (laughs) I have that on my Spotify playlist, but uh, it's it's Chris Jericho who's singing it. Oh, nice. Yeah, that uh, that Kinks song shows up at the end of uh, Step Brothers. But somebody on Twitter reminded me, of I guess it was two years ago now, I think, when I played a Christmas song by the Kinks, and I'm not going to say the line, but like the second line of the song, I was unaware, um, reveals something. and Brings to light. Brings to light something. And I didn't know that, and you can't really hear it anyway, and it's not that bad, but it brings something to light, and a listener sent me a nasty email about that song calling for my termination from the company for daring to play that again no vulgarity Mm -hmm. no cuss words no it's not anti-religion no it just is revelatory and (laughs) and i'll never i will never forget that email it was nasty like i like i kicked their dog right in front of their face or something so yeah that song not going to be played this year Good song, though. The Kinks. Father Christmas is what it's called. Yeah. Good to know. Stay away from that one. Stay away from that one. Yeah. If the kids there are listening go. closely, stay away from that one. Mm. If, uh, Heavy metal and Christmas songs, they, they go good together. They do. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, it's not a joke. Yeah. My, my Christmas playlist has... Uh, Ronnie James Dio's God Rest You Merry Gentlemen and Twisted Sisters' Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Got to put ACDC. Which incredibly fits fits right over the template of we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. <laughs> oh Come All Ye Faithful. It's the same notes. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. You can, uh, you can join us in the if you Christmas really Carol. Heavy metal, basketball, football, conversation, whatever you want to do on the uh, ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That is uh, the best way for you to jump on board and be a part of the conversation. 
If uh, you want to give your business the edge, let C Spire help. Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in C Spire country. Check them out online, cspire.com slash business. Uh, can we hit on a few NFL things just for just for a second? The They won't be Saints-related, I promise. Yeah, please no. <laughs> or at least I don't think so. I've, I've uh, had enough. Although, I, I've, I've heard too many people say, there's no way the Saints fired Dennis Allen after this year. Gail gave us precedent. She will do it. Don't lose hope. There is hope. Well, it's Christmas time, Borky. It's a season of I, I mean, Gail dresses in, in these extravagant outfits, and she's got lapels that are like $60,000, $70,000 lapels, and she's got this just soft... Old-timey Southern accent. She seems like such a sweet lady. She's a killer. I mean, she'll crack your knuckles with a ruler without thinking about it. She'll she'll send you outside for a switch without even thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, look out, Dennis. Behind that Southern accent is the Grim Reaper. Dennis, go outside and get me a switch and come back in here. Well, she she kind of she kind of managed her way through. An attempted hostile takeover, right? Yeah, it's just it's yeah. kind of kind of an ugly time. She's she's she, she's got some savvy. She yeah. But I told you we didn't have to talk about the Saints. Yeah, but that was a positive thing. Yeah, you just want to fire the coach. Yeah. I mean, hey, you guys, you were you were on board with it a couple months ago. We're sorry. We were wrong. we were wrong. We got new information. Hey, that says presented new information. Uh, bad news for the Buffalo Bills. Von Miller out for the season with an ACL injury. Yeah, hate that. Good Bills currently have the top seed in the AFC with three games to uh, come against the AFC East. Uh, their coach Sean McDermott says unfortunate situation for Von. Obviously, in our team, care for him obviously like we would any player. Obviously, we know how much this means to him in terms of playing and being with the team. So we look forward to getting him back. Obviously off the field for the rest of the season, and his leadership. And we're certainly thinking about him as he recovers here. I only added, by the way, one, obviously. The other three were his. Uh, So, not great news for Buffalo. But ultimately with Buffalo, they're going to go as far as Josh Allen takes them, right? Because that's the way that team is constructed. Fair or unfair, it's kind of... How it's going to be. Yeah. They've been bitten by the injury bug a little bit this year, but but I still think they are absolutely capable. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the Tennessee Titans fired their general manager, John Robinson. I don't think it's a coincidence that they fired him right after A.J. Brown made them look like toddlers. In Philly. I, I was going to throw out, could it have anything to do with the fact that he made a really dumb trade this offseason? I mean, that franchise has been really good, though. And they, they're they still good. They are. They're still probably going to make the playoffs. I mean... They have a three-game lead in the right. division. So Amy Adams yeah, is the one that fired him. She's the controlling right. owner. Does that mean that 
he made that decision on his own? He was like a lone ranger on the we're going to get rid of A.J. Brown? One of the things no, I read he's about... he's got to be the... Uh, I mean, he's going to be the scapegoat. I'm not going to fire the owner. One of the things I read about it did say that there were moves that were made uh, without the consultation of ownership. And... You know, if they end up being the wrong moves and you didn't run it by your boss. Mm. And I've been reading a lot from Nashville media and stuff about this because I was kind of curious. My first thought was, wait, they're good. Scandal. Apparently not. Apparently they just think that the, the team is kind of good in spite of front office leadership and that they are at a ceiling and they want to elevate the ceiling and don't think that he's the guy to do it. Again, put A.J. Brown on the Titans right now. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl so, contender. So, so so here from a story at ESPN, Vrabel said that he and Robinson, the John Robinson, the now-fired former general manager, were aligned in their approach to building the roster and appreciated how the GM included the coaching staff in the evaluation process. But Vrabel's comments before the Titans' decision to trade wide receiver A.J. Brown to the Eagles on draft day would indicate otherwise. Vrabel denied rumors that Tennessee was looking to trade Brown saying the young receiver wouldn't be dealt as long as he was the head coach. And to Borky's point, the Robinson came just days after A.J. Brown, in a green jersey, had seven catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns in a Philadelphia route yeah. of Tennessee. I was watching that game for a little bit. He caught a 41-yard touchdown pass, but his it was an incredible catch. But his second foot just just barely was out of bounds. The very next play, a different 41-yard touchdown catch. Uh, I mean, and there's a video came out today of Ryan Tannehill. Because, what is it, at least five guys on each side of the ball are mic'd up for the league? I think it's that. Quarterbacks are always mic'd up. Even if you never see the footage, they always are. I think there's at least two offensive linemen that always are. The league keeps that for whatever reason. Save them in the Miles Garrett deal, if you remember, because you had guys with mics on after mm-hmm. he made the accusations and they reviewed the tape and that didn't happen. So for reasons like that, either way, Tannehill hugs A.J. Brown after the game and says, you, you didn't have to do it like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. So in the AFC, Buffalo leads the East. They're a game in front of Miami. But you heard just a second ago, Buffalo's got three games against division opponents. So it's like a round robin to the end. Baltimore and Cincinnati tied at the top of the north. Cincinnati, by the way, has won four in a row. If you slept on the Bengals after two or three weeks, probably wasn't a great plan. The Titans lead the south in an awful division. I mean, Tennessee can be good or not good or whatever, but Indy's three games back, Jacksonville's three games back, and the Texans are already eliminated. Look at that. The Texans at one and ten are already eliminated. And then out west, you get the Chiefs with the three game lead over the Chargers, and the Raiders are even farther back than that. AFC West has not been, this has been a disappointing division. And then the NFC side of things. And Philly. Trying to run away with the NFC East. Cowboys are going to have a chance to catch them. Minnesota running away with the North. NFC South. Wait, have we, have we, do we know anything about the NFC South? 
No. Uy. I know nothing about it. And then a two-team race out west with San Francisco and Seattle. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. football fix. We, we got a rapid fire college football fix that's coming your way because there's a lot that's happening. And a lot of it is related to coaching. Borky, this is not part of the college football fix, but uh, some news that uh, you just came across. So two different things. Okay. Uh, staff hires. Luke Fickle is turning Wisconsin upside down. It is hard to comprehend the fact that Luke Fickle has hired Phil Longo. Yes, the get open Phil Longo from North Carolina to be his offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. What a dramatic shift in everything you think about Wisconsin football. First name that pops in your mind. I say Wisconsin. First name pops in your mind. Football. Barry Alvarez. Ron Dane. Ron Dane was mine. Yeah. Running back. This, this is like state going to the air raid. This is what this is. This is a a program that has an a, a even bigger identity of power running. We run the football. We mush it out in the snow and ice. Now they're going to throw the ball all, all over the field. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Now, Phil Longo is probably as close to a Mike Leach air raid disciple as exists, but he runs the football out of that out of more than he Mike does. Leach does. And, and yes. he does it with running backs, and he does it with his quarterback. It has evolved some for sure. Because I've seen people say, well, North Carolina's good offense. Maybe it was just an Ole Miss problem. Yes, very smart uh, football writer. Um, he's evolved the offense since then. It, it doesn't. It's, look, it's gotten better. It, yeah, it, no, it, yeah, it doesn't yes. look the same at all. Um, similar, but it's evolved. Um, also, to his credit, great quarterback recruiter. He just simply is. He's a great quarterback recruiter. Got Matt Corral to Ole Miss. Got Drake made to North Carolina. I mean, you can't take that away from him. I mean, the, the, the guy can identify good quarterbacks and recruit them and sign them. Was he responsible for Jordan Tomu? He was there when he signed, uh, right? He would have been on staff, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he I think he recruited Tomu. Can't take that who away. Ended from up, him. Who ended up coming in and cleaning up Shea Patterson's mess, right? Yep. And Matt Corral was his guy. I mean, he locked in on him early and stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him. And, you know, you can talk about development and all of those things. Matt Corral would have put up huge numbers. Oh, yeah. If he had stayed with Phil Longo. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. It, Drake May did it as a true freshman. I know it's the ACC, but still, the, kid, the kid's a star. 
And, and Drake May's really good. So mm. that's fascinating. Luke, Luke Fickle, we talked about it. Wisconsin decided that they were not satisfied with being what they were, which was good but not great. Credit to Luke Fickle. I mean, it, you know, make your jokes about Phil Longo, but he is trying to evolve Wisconsin football into something else. Well, and here's the other thing, right? So Luke Fickle's a defensive guy. He's going to focus on that side of the ball. I mean, he's going to be the head coach, but his his roots are in the defensive side. And he's going to dictate how the game's going to flow as well, and that may, to some degree, determine how Phil Longo is allowed to call games. But this is not a new relationship. These two guys have liked each other for a long time. Phil Longo, uh, I think it was Bruce Feldman uh, that tweeted it earlier, had actually interviewed for a position on Luke Fickle's staff at Cincinnati, and it hadn't worked out. And and there was a relationship that existed there. Tell me if I'm wrong, guys. This, to me, sounds like Luke Fickle went and recruited Phil Longo to Wisconsin. Like, you're my guy, let's go. Because he's in a good spot at North Carolina. Yeah. Wonder what Drake May's going to do now. Because apparently he is all Tar Heel. Like they, or his family, anyway. Oh, yeah? So. Yeah, his brother, brother played basketball there, right? Yeah. So, so what does he do? Because uh, he would be a seven-figure quarterback. Yeah, he stays at North Carolina and plays there under a new offensive coordinator. He's what good, if, man. What if it's unsatisfactory? Well, I mean, I guess well, then, we'll, then, then you we'll, we'll talk about it next year. Yeah, and yeah. The, I mean, Mac it, Mac Brown, if he was telling the truth, there's at least at least 15 programs that are making contact, uh, buying or trying to buy his services, literally. Yeah, if you can find me a program that would not take the addition of Drake May into their quarterback room, then I'll find you a head coach that's going to be fired before too long. Because he's dumb. Literally everybody. I mean, can you think of one? Like as a good young quarterback? The only one I can think of is Texas. Would they bring in Drake May with Ewers and Manning coming in? I don't know. Ooh. I would. Sports Talk Mississippi. He's proved it on the field. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hang all in this I'm gonna get to know you This Christmas, and as we trim the tree, how much fun it's gone. Into the 5 o'clock hour with you on this Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't forget that an hour from right now, you will have thunder and lightning on the radio, hosted by Brian Haydad, everywhere you get this program, you can get that program as well. What's wrong, Borky? We're still having technical issues in here. Man, your facial expressions when things don't work the way they are supposed to work are off the charts. It's like a mixture of confusion and anger and frustration and 
throw the hands in the air, I don't know what to do, all rolled into one. I, I was told by an ex that I had a very expressive face. And so she felt stupid because of the faces that I Wow. <laughs> what? She, she she would get mad at me because she would say something, and I wouldn't re- re- I wouldn't say something rude back. I wouldn't say anything, but my face told a different story. Mm-hmm. So, see, women have been saying for years they want men to express themselves. Borky goes and does it. She breaks up with him. Mm. Pearl River Resort Studio. That's where we are, and we are glad to be with you. Per- uh, yes. Richard Williams joins me tonight on Thunder and Light. Hey, all right. <laughs> Good. We got away from that. But we'll talk a little about you hoops. Yes. Yes. He's the best. Coach. The man. Always a coach. Uh, Pearl River yeah. Resort Studio is, or Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out more online at PearlRiverResort.com. Guys, did, did you see that John Heyman did it again? No. No. Yesterday... It looked like Arson Judge was going to the San Francisco Giants. Turned out not to be true. Today, Coke Hamels, still only 38, would like to pitch in 2023, his longtime agent John Boggs said. Last pitch in 2020. <laughs> Coke Hamels. Let's slow it down, John. Just just, just, just breathe. It's like, did yeah, you take not a second learn anything after yesterday? This is one of the good baseball writers. Or was. And then he deleted the tweet and fixed it. You can never really delete it. Twitter never forgets. The Internet never forgets. You can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. College football fix. Let's do it. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built. Ford Tough, but don't you dare stop there. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. 45 straight years. That's how long F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I said rapid fire. We'll see how rapid it is, but there's a lot of stuff. A lot to unpack today. So Scott Satterfield left Louisville to go to Cincinnati and appears to be putting together a decent staff. The rest of the Louisville staff is scattering all over the place. Wesley McGriff going to Auburn to be on Hugh Freeze's staff. And so Louisville looking for a head coach. You remember the last time? Louisville was looking for a head coach. They made a run at Jeff Brom, and a former Louisville quarterback, and the response was Purdue gave Jeff Brom a big contract. I think it was about $6 million a year. But maybe some of the shine has worn off Jeff Brom a little bit. They did play for a Big Ten championship last weekend. Louisville has brought a favorite son home, a six-year, $35 million contract, according to Chris Lowe, Jeff Brom returning to Louisville. Pretty good hire for Louisville, right? 
I think it's a great, yeah. I mean, you got a, a winning head coach who's an alum. You should be should be good now. You should be locked in for winning for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Purdue's a tough job. Uh, went one game above five hundred in conference play, which mm-hmm. doesn't sound like anything to write home about. But that that's a difficult job. I mean, I mean, could could you think, or what would you think about Missouri, for example, if in a what is that a six year span with a COVID year only playing six games? They were one game above 500 in SEC play. I mean, you'd be really impressed, right? Purdue's like Missouri in the Big Ten. Drew Brees played there. Kyle Orton played there, but that's about it. Yeah. Who was the the receiver they had a couple of years ago that was so good? Little guy? At Louisville? No, no, no at Purdue. Oh, Rondell Moore. Yes. Oh, he could go. Could go big time. All right. Uh, Ole Miss has a defensive player that has decided to return. DeAndre Prince, quarterback, has announced that he will be back at Ole Miss for the 2023 season. I think this is good for Ole Miss, right? I mean, the, the strength of their defense, for the most part, is the secondary. And... Getting an experienced corner back who played pretty well this year is a win for Ole Miss. I think so. Now, you know, I make fun of other people for doing it. I don't know what his NFL stock would have been. There's an element of where was he going to go? Maybe hit the portal, I suppose. But this is big for Ole Miss. He's a good player. Uh, really, really shined in, in more important games as well. I remember specifically in the Kentucky game. And despite Kentucky's offense being what it is, they had one in particular electric wide receiver, and Prince guarded him, bodied him up, didn't really let him produce. So he showed you at times that that he's got the ability to be a really high level corner, and so him returning is is a big deal. Him and Igbenosin on opposite sides, suddenly you've got a pretty salty pair of cornerbacks uh, coming back to your team next year. So that that's a good. Exclusively good news for Ole Miss. 36 tackles, one interception, 10 pass breakups. Played in all 12 games this year for uh, for Ole Miss, talking about DeAndre Prince. So, And then Igben Oson, uh, on that other side, he had 32 tackles, played in all 12 games, and had three pass breakups. Ole Miss did not have a lot of interceptions this year. Only They had seven over the course of 12 games. But like AJ one Finley in the, the last five or last four or something like that. They picked off Ashford twice, and then the Rodgers interception was their next one. Yeah. Yep. Didn't get a pick against Bryce Young and Bama. Didn't get one against Arkansas. Whatever else happened there at the end, I, I don't remember all the... have to reconstruct it. <laughs> I mean, they could game. do it. It's just like I'm trying to like go in reverse as to what happened at the end of the year. I remember those last three. Yeah. Uh, next, 10 most co- watched college football games this season. Hmm. Michigan-Ohio State, largest watched game this year, 17.1 million. Also, we'll get Army-Navy this weekend. That'll put up a good number. Tennessee, Georgia on CBS, 13.1 million. Alabama, Tennessee, 11.6 million. LSU, Georgia, SEC Championship game, 10.9. Uh, 
Purdue and Michigan Big Ten title game, 10.7. Alabama-Texas, 10.6. Notre Dame-Ohio State, 10.5. K-State-TCU Big 12 title game, 9.4 million. Alabama-Ole Miss, 8.7 million. Ohio State-Penn State did 8.3 million. Borky, you said do you notice a trend there. I, I noticed two. The the one that I notice is of the top ten, only two started in primetime. And those are Purdue-Michigan, the Big Ten Championship game, and Notre Dame-Ohio State. All of the others started at 3.30 Eastern or noon Eastern. Only two primetime games in the top ten most watched college football games this year. Michigan, Ohio State was at 11. Tennessee, Georgia was 230. Alabama, Tennessee was 230. LSU, Georgia was 3 central. So you're right. Purdue, Michigan, a night game. Uh, Bama, Texas was 11. Notre Dame, Ohio State was at night on ABC. K State, TCU was 11. 11. Alabama, Ole Miss was 230. Ohio State, Penn State was 11, right? Yep. You know what that means? Yeah, you hope probably you like the 11 o'clock games. You're, you're in good shape. You're going to get good ones going forward. Yeah, get used to that. Now, yeah. with that said, if you stuck some of those games in primetime, they do a similar number. It also has to do with matchups. The other trend that I noticed, it's a lot of Big Ten and a lot of SEC. A little bit of Notre Dame and the Big 12 championship game. Which featured... Everything else is SEC and Big Ten. Yeah. We've got more in our rapid-fire college football fix driven by Ford when we continue with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Okay, what we do next... Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. We said rapid fire on the college football fix with just one item after another. The coaching staff for the Colorado Buffaloes under Deion Sanders is continuing to take shape. Yesterday we got news that uh, Kent State head coach Sean Lewis was leaving his head coaching position in the MAC to be the offensive coordinator for the Buffaloes in the Pac-12. Day Borky, we get news of defensive coordinator. Alabama associate defensive coordinator Charles Kelly is off to Colorado to coach under Deion Sanders. Those are two really, really solid hires. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. A, a sitting head coach, albeit at Kent State, who apparently runs a phenomenal offense that, by the way, gave Georgia fits. It, Kent State was able to score on that Georgia defense. A lot of people can't say the same thing. And then Alabama's associate defensive coordinator. That's big time. Charles Kelly's been a bunch of places. 
Started out as a high school coach in the early 90s, GA at Auburn, worked at Jacksonville State from 94 to 98. I think that would have been under Jack Crow. Then Henderson State, then back to high school, then Nichols State, then pretty good stint at Georgia Tech under George O'Leary from 06 to 12. And then Florida State for a year. Actually, Florida State for four years, and then Tennessee, and then has been at Alabama since 2019. That's that's a lot of places. 55-year-old from Ozark, Alabama. So not only leaving the Crimson Tide, but leaving his home state. Moved to Colorado and coached with Deion Sanders. And there's still some thought that Mike Zimmer may end up on that staff. Larry Fitzgerald, of all people, reported that today. Okay. And, and yeah, the, um, what, what Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most respected NFL players of the last 50 years. By everyone, by his teammates, agree. by his coaches, agree. by other players, by officials. I had a, an official tell me that he liked Larry Fitzgerald more than any player in the NFL. I only mention that to say Larry Fitzgerald has never been the kind of guy that just like throws stuff out there. Because it wasn't. It was Larry Fitzgerald Sr. Well, all that stuff I said about Larry Fitzgerald is interesting, but has absolutely no bearing on this conversation. <laughs> so, great. <laughs> Either way. Uh, I mean great guy though. Remember Zimmer came down to Jackson State to help yeah. to help Coach Prime. I mean yeah. That's why when people keep down, always, how is he going to hire a staff? Do you not understand how connected this guy is? He knows everybody in football, and everybody in football knows him. Everybody. And he is well-liked by everybody in football. People just don't understand that. In in fairness, the rumor was that Zimmer might be taking on the role of defensive coordinator at Colorado, but it's now Charles Kelly who's been hired for that position. So I I don't know how that changes the Zimmer piece. Going from NFL head coach to D.C., especially, you know, he's a little bit older, had a personal tragedy. I think his son passed away a few Mm -hmm. months ago. It kind of always felt far-fetched, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's around the program a lot. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, I, I joked on Twitter, but it's not a joke. The The staff at Colorado is going to be better than the staff at Auburn. Maybe Auburn should have gone down that road a little bit further than they possibly did. Maybe so. The Music City Bowl features two teams that struggled offensively this year. The Iowa Hawkeyes. Features is a strong word. Hosts is bringing in <laughs> two teams. Two teams that struggled offensively will play in Nissan Stadium in the game that is titled Transperfect Music City Bowl. Iowa and Kentucky. Will Levis has informed Kentucky that he will not play in the bowl game and will, as expected. 
declare for the NFL draft. Yeah. If there's anybody hey, who I think has put enough on film for me to know what he is, it's Will Levis. J- jokes aside about Will Levis, given the injuries that he has dealt with this year and some of the issues that he's had throwing the football to the other team, can't we all agree that what Will Levis needs to do more than anything is get ready for the NFL draft and go knock it out of the park at the Combine? Which he will, no question. Throwing against air and, and putting up numbers, he'll be fine. That's yeah. a good Iowa defense. And, and as I've learned, most NFL people don't watch college football. And that would be a lot of people's first look at this supposed 1-1 quarterback, and they would not have been impressed. Yeah. He knew. He knew. I think I'm going to have to set myself up with a little after-Christmas bonus and head down to uh, – Pearl River Resort and and take the under on that one. I just, I just you, you can't feel good about the over in that game. What is it? We have a we got. A I think it's thirty one and a half. No way. I think that's what I saw. Yeah. So uh, here's the stat. So the so the Army Navy game, by the way, upcoming this weekend. <laughs> over under is thirty two and a half. The Iowa Kentucky game is thirty one and a half. The record. Low over under was earlier this year, and it was Iowa Minnesota at thirty one and a half. So if those either of those games gets bet down below thirty one and a half, it will be the lowest college football over under total of all time. I mean, Iowa is right a though. one point favorite, and the total is thirty one and a half. <laughs> I told Borky this stat earlier this week, and it was amazing that. The the under is on a 16-0 run in the Army Navy game. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back 16 years, bet 110 to win 100 on the under, and let it roll to this point, you'd be sitting on almost three and a half million dollars. And 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 the math is not exact, right? Mm-hmm. But it's basically you double 116 times. Yeah. Basically. It's not it's not exact when you take in the the minus one ten whatever, but right, right, right. if you win a hundred, I mean, I guess it is. You're still doubling a hundred each time. It's if you ever lose, mm-hmm. you end up paying a significant amount more. But a hundred to two hundred to four hundred to eight hundred to sixteen to thirty two, you, you get the drip. But yeah, you do that sixteen times, and that number gets real big. You taking the under on Army Navy? Might, I I really am thinking I need to make a trip down there. That feels like easy money, which is the worst feeling in the world. But oh well, thirty-two and a half the total again, maybe a two and a half point favorite. That'll uh, Sonny Dykes at TCU and PJ Fleck at Minnesota have both signed contract extensions with their current schools. Is that surprising in either case? Nah. No, I mean, what job was open that was going to take them, uh, right? It, you know, maybe if in an alternate universe Ole Miss comes open, maybe Keith Carter kicks the tires on Fleck and maybe he tries to go down the road with Dykes. But it is just, to me, this was important because it's just nice to see these non power schools hang on to coaches for a while, you know? 
Fleck's been good at Minnesota. Dykes is in the playoff at TCU. And they're both going to be coaching where they are next year. I, I like that because college football is not all just Texas and Southern Cal and Florida and Georgia. It's TCU and Minnesota and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Iowa State. And I, I like seeing programs like Kansas hang on to Lance Leopold. I like that PJ Flex going to be at Minnesota. It just I think it makes the sport healthier when guys like that stay where they are. And it makes sense for a rower of boats to stay in the land of 10,000 lakes. Just does. <laughs> uh, C Spire text line, the hate for Auburn is going to bite y'all. Hugh will beat State and the Land Sharks next season. Write it down. Sure, I'm sure he will. Got to finish hiring a coaching staff first, but people keep... Telling them no. Imagine that. An Auburn fan think they're just going to beat Mississippi State. No no questions asked. How's that work the last decade? Sometimes well, sometimes not so much. I bet if you ask the average Auburn fan, they tell you they were like 8-2 and two in the last 10 against State. They're not. What's the record? Do you know? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're 5-5. Five and five. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. I think we all believe that Dave Clawson, the head coach at Wake Forest, one, has done a really good job, and two, is probably undervalued to some degree because of the job that he's done. Maybe he hasn't gotten as much credit as he really deserves. Seems to be kind of a thoughtful guy as well. And I don't mean thoughtful like, oh, he cares. I mean, I. He probably cares for his players, but I mean, like, thinking guy. Talking about his quarterback, Sam Hartman. And here's what he said. But the way this name, image, and likeness market is working, in some cases with guys with eligibility left, they might have an opportunity to make more money by going to another school for a year than by going to the NFL. In that case, we couldn't fault them. Whatever decision Sam Hartman makes, we support him. I think right now his intention is to go to the NFL, but when the bowl game is over, if there's some incredible offer for him to go to another school and get life-changing money, how could we fault him for that? It's a good problem to have. He's going to have many good options. Sam has been nothing but a stand-up person for us, has played at a high level and done everything right. Whatever opportunities he has, he's earned. There's kind of a lot to unpack there. 
question number one for me is, is he readily admitting that Wake Forest, one way or the other, is not going to be able to afford to keep Sam Hartman next season? Or am I misinterpreting that altogether? I feel like that's part of the motivation behind this, yes. You know, if he wants to come back to college football, people are going to offer money that we can't. Yeah. I don't... I have no idea what NFL scouts think of Sam Hartman. It's hard to know. I mean, he's been really good in college, but he's one of those guys, and it happens so often in the NFL, that... It doesn't get the buzz like Will Levis does. And maybe his arm's not as strong or whatever. But if you had to go win a football game today, who who would you pick, Sam Hartman or Will Levis? I mean, it's not close, right? You don't even hesitate. It's Hartman. No. You mean a college game? Yeah, it, yes. Okay. Or even a pro game today. Now, it's not exactly fair, but which player do you think is more equipped to win football games at the quarterback position right now? Sam Hartman's been really good. He's, he's been great. I, I, I find Dave Clawson's honesty really refreshing, too. I, I don't know if honesty is the right word. It's more of perspective. Because we talked this offseason about how Nick Saban was whining about this and, and coaches complain about it. it. You know, to Lane Kiffin's credit, he says, you know, coaches are getting paid millions. The players should get paid, too. Now, he does kind of seem annoyed by the process because he takes shots at Texas A&M all the time because they can pay more than, than his people can. But still, there's there's some truth that comes from him. But Dave Clawson's the first coach that I have heard openly talk about if my star quarterback goes somewhere else, he's earned it. Not, I wish him well in his future endeavors. It's, he's a great kid, he's earned it. If Alabama steps in and offers him five million bucks to go play for a year, kids earned it. You never hear that kind of language from coaches. So, if you're trying to kind of figure out what the rumors are and what might have prompted that, I, I, I don't know who asked Dave Clawson that question. But A to Z Sports, uh, our friends that started in Nashville and really have grown that website into other markets as well, has a story that says rumors floating around this week about Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman possibly landing with Tennessee. Over, Listen to these numbers in the last two seasons for Sam Hartman. 7,649 yards, 74 touchdowns, and 25 interceptions over the last two years. Plus 211 yards on the ground with 12 touchdowns. And by the way, doesn't that include either five or six interceptions in one game this season? There's two pick sixes in there. I know that. In the third quarter of a game. So they dug a little deeper and talked to a couple of people uh, sourced at Wake Forest. One source thought Hartman was destined to land with the Florida Gators. The other source said the belief was that his plan is to get draft feedback from the NFL before making any decision. And if he doesn't like the feedback, he will likely enter the portal and look for a new home, but neither source mentioned Tennessee. Tennessee's a place that might pay seven figures for Sam Hartman. Yeah. 
come in immediately and, and, and you know, relieve the pressure of losing Hinton Hooker. Don't don't twist my words. You guys won't, but don't twist my words. I am not comparing him as a college football player to Cam Newton. I'm not. No, he's six one. No. And he doesn't run like Cam Newton. But if you're Alabama, for example, and Bryce Young's gone and you don't like your current situation, if you are able to sign a guy like Hartman, you are immediately top of the favorites to win a national championship next year. Right away. Without even hesitating. You go straight to the top. The most important position on the field is solidified by a veteran who's played a ton of football and you know that he can be great, not even just good. Imagine Sam Hartman with those players. So I I can't help but wonder if a guy like him, should this happen, and I know a lot of people listening to this just cringe at the idea that this is just the reality of the sport now, but it is the financial commitment that some of these places would be willing to give a guy like him because you know what you would get. There's no ambiguity. It's not like the Rashada kid. You know, the rumor was Miami was giving him $9 million. You have no idea what he can do on a college football field. Not a clue. So if he's worth that and he's never played a snap, what is a three-and-a-half-year starter worth? Yeah, and with the, I mean, when you're talking to one of these, Tennessee's got one of these reportedly also, right? Like an $8 million deal for the quarterback from California out of high school. Yeah. But you don't know. You just don't know. Quinn Ewers went to Ohio State and played a snap and then transferred, or played three snaps or whatever it was. Small amount. And Quinn Ewers, I mean, we saw this year at Texas. At times, he looked really good. We, we've said it a hundred times. If Tim, Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt against Alabama, they probably win that game. Some people say they definitely win that game. Uh, you know, that's very subjective. But Quinn Ewers had some moments this year where the stage looked too big for him also. Go figure. First year as a starting quarterback at a major Power 5 program. You're a redshirt freshman. You're going to have some growing pains. Great May didn't have many growing pains this year, though, at North Carolina. No. But we got a message not. earlier saying that Tom Luganville had uh, had said, I guess, on another radio show that there were some rumblings about Alabama for Drake May. Yeah, please no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. See, I'm a fan of him going to Alabama. I already put that down as a loss. I don't want him going to a place where he could turn a game that State could win into a loss. You guys see that JT Daniels? is going to be headed to his fourth school. Started out at Southern Cal. Surely no no quarterback, no player, has played at four Power 5 schools in his in their career. It can't be possible. <clears throat> it would have been really difficult to pull headed. that off Yeah, in any era other That's than this one. And now that's where we're going to head, though. As a starter at the combination of Southern Cal, Georgia, 
and West Virginia. JT Daniels is 17 and 12. Went 7 and 0 over the course of two years in games that he started at Georgia. Had someone pretty close to the Georgia program tell me there's no way we win a national championship last year with JT Daniels playing quarterback. It's like, really? Like, no question. Not even a debate. Started 10 games for West Virginia this year. They kind of changed what the offense did to a more of a run-based offense, and he got slid to the side, and the other guy went 2-0 and at the end. So now he's looking for yet another home. And not just four spots in five or six years. Pretty good programs. Two elite of the elite in West Virginia, not bad. Almost 7,000 career yards, passing 45 touchdowns, 25 interceptions. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Mike in Oxford on the ceasefire text line says, how is it that JT Daniels is able to transfer three times? So there was a waiver to leave Southern Cal, is that right? Yeah. And then he had the free transfer to West Virginia, and now he's Mm -hmm. a grad transfer. Correct. What a world. My man knows how to work the system. Going to be a somebody. Going to be a great CPA for somebody today. He's going to find all the loopholes. Mm. Hey, Dad, any more buzz on the whole running backs, wide receiver portal, Mississippi State thing? Yeah, plenty of it. Well, I'll talk about it next on Thunder and Lightning. And while I appreciate no, the I, fact I, that you're going to do that, and people can certainly uh, tune in and hear all about it. Let's also talk about it right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sure. Uh, we talked about it some yesterday. Uh, looking in the backfield, I don't expect Dylan Johnson to be back at this point. I think okay. I think he's headed out, likely to Oklahoma. And just wants to play in a system where he can be a feature back. Thinks that's that's the, the key for him at the next level. Wish him the best. Good Catholic school kid. What's not to like? Uh, expect Woody Marks. <laughs> yeah, he is. Not my favorite Catholic school, but you know. Definitely my least, least favorite, though. I, I didn't have a huge problem with Greenville. Um, Woody Marks, I expect, I think he's back. I think he'll be back in, in Starkville for another season. And, and Johnson kind of le- leaving kind of opens a, a window for him to get more carries, right? Because now it, I, I think they would rely on him more than than they would Simeon Price. So he could see, you know, instead of being half and half, it could be more of a two-thirds, one-third kind of thing. So Marks is, benefits from that. I expect him back. As always, these things are fluid, though. So nothing's nothing's done. Uh, Rufus Harvey was a name that popped up, uh, but it appears that all that has settled down. I expect him back in Starkville. And then the name to watch now, who I don't expect back at this point, is Xavion Thomas. Uh, looks like he will be heading back home, uh, possibly to LSU, possibly to Tulane, but back to the state of Louisiana uh, for him. 
And that's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a punch in the return game. It is, you know, I, 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 for me, I was more interested in seeing what he could do at the wide receiver position. You know, he would have had an opportunity to start next year with, with Ra-Ra and Ducking both gone on the outside. Um, I thought he would have had a chance to get one of those two spots. And then, like you said, the punt return he showed this year he's one of the best in the SEC. Uh, so State will have to replace that for sure. Uh, but at this time, I don't expect Xavier Thomas back in Starville for next season. Somebody says, you can't take Hey Dad's content. I'm looking forward to it. I might have to put in a Christmas movie if you do. Just, you know. Do both, That's right? what it is. Listen to Hey yeah. Dad while watching a Christmas movie. While watching Die Hard. <laughs> Are we still dying on that hill? Oh, I am, I am entrenched on that hill. I've built a bunker. We can go peak sports talk radio, generic sports talk radio guy, and do a Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies and debate whether or not Die Hard belongs in the debate of Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. I mean... I bet they've done that like in Atlanta somewhere. Atlanta or New York or Philly. They've had that debate in those places. I I don't know. I I would just say I don't think it's in the Mount Rushmore. It's not in the top four, but it's, it's a Christmas movie. That's all I would say. And you can make a strong case that Lethal Weapon and Batman Returns are as well. Mm, Okay, then. Middays with Gerard Gibbert will broadcast live from Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo. That was today. It was today. I hope you caught. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed Gerard's broadcast from Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo earlier today where there were Christmas savings throughout the store. If you brought a new blanket or a monetary donation to help with the Sanctuary Hospice House, you uh, you were entered to win a prize each hour. I hope you took advantage of that. Sorry, I read the thing from the wrong day. <laughs> hey, they got their plug anyway. Yeah. Hey, Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're in the Favorite. Tupelo area, you're doing some Christmas shopping, Stone's Jewelry is the way to go. Great stuff. There for a remote a few years ago. Easy to get to. Fantastic selection as well. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Holly Jolly Holidays happening. The ice rink is open. It's only 12 bucks. You can skate for as long as you want to. Be sure to check out all of their social media channels, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at Visit Oxford MS to uh, keep up to date with weather and the hours of operation for the ice rink and all the other things that are happening. Um, let's see here. Back up. Hey, Dad, I miss your belly laughs. Especially as you're too close to the screen. <laughs> Thunder and lightning on the radio coming up next. We'll do it again tomorrow with you starting at 3 o'clock in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Adios! Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.